Well, praise God. Well, I'm excited to get to the Word. And uh, as you can tell from our screens, we are starting a, uh, a new season. And uh, around here we call them seasons, not... Uh, everybody say it's a season, not a series. And so that's how we do things. We do seasons, not series. That's how we, how we like to do it. Uh, what that means is, is that we have kind of a general direction we're going, but we like to be spirit-led. We don't want to let the Spirit of God lead us uh, as we teach and preach the Word. Um, if you turn in uh, Ephesians 4.16, there's a verse that I want to show you to kind of, this will be one of our staple verses. It says, from, the, from whom the whole body, now this whole passage of scripture is talking about Jesus being the head of the church. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. is the head of the church. Now, what that means is we are his body. So Jesus is the head, we are the body. We are the hands, feet, fingers, toes, organs, blood vessels, central nervous system, everything in between. That's what we are, that's who we are, that's how we fit in uh, God's system. Everybody say, Amen. So Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. What does that mean? The King James says, fitly joined together. I'm going to show you a video that I feel like kind of elaborates on this. This is a video I produced back in 2014. I mentioned that where uh, our churches have several locations we started in, in Florence, and so uh, when I graduated from college, I went to work at Family Worship Center Florence. My pastor is Pastor Steve McCart. So this is a video that, that I shot and produced. I was the media director for years there in Florence. And so uh, I made this video, and uh, it's kind of a testimony of what the local church meant to him. And I think it's amazing. Now, it's, it's old, and if you've seen him lately, uh, he looks a little different. His kids have... Growing up, and now he's got a kid in college and stuff like that. But the story is still the same. The, 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 I'll let it speak for itself. All right, let's check this out. But this will, I think, help explain, to, to start off this season the best I can, what it means to be fitly joined together and why God would create the church. And, and you see the title, Church is Awesome. Why is church awesome? Why would we say the church is awesome? Now, we didn't say this church or my church because we're not the only awesome church. And there's the global church. Everybody say, I'm the church. That's what, the, that's what, that's what God said. That's literally what Jesus said. He said, You're, you, you are the church. So how, how does that work? Well, corporately, if you are a Christian, you are the church. That's, that's the only way I know how to describe it. You are the church. We are the church. I should say you, we. I'm me too. We are the church. Then we congregate in a local body. There's a place in Acts that says that they went to their own company. So they were, they were doing work of the Lord and they split up. They went to their own company. So today, this is our company. Or you may be new and be thinking, is this my company? Are these my people? Do I fit? The Bible says iron sharpens iron. Well, what does that mean? That means if, if you find another piece of iron, you're iron. You, need to find, you don't need to find plastic. Iron doesn't, plastic doesn't sharpen iron. Iron sharpens iron. And so you need to find somebody else that, that hey, I, we're going to work together and grow together. Much like a marriage, you know, you don't want to end up with somebody who's not pushing you towards the Lord. Amen? You wanna, you, that's the ideal situation is you have both, you know, one spouse says to the other, hey, you need to pray. 
And sometimes that happens in the church. When someone's not there for two or three weeks, I, and again, I'm not going to say we're going to stop calling, but it shouldn't be just me and my wife making the phone calls. You should say, man, I haven't seen so-and-so. Well, I don't have the number. Why not? Are they your people or not? And, and you call them and you check on them and you say, how are you doing? And I, I haven't seen you. I want to make sure, man, I, we had a great service on Sunday. You, you missed it. Did you at least watch it online? Oh, you have something going on with your family? Well, can I pray with you? Can I, can I help you in some way? Iron sharpens iron. And that, those seeds, by the way, money's not the only seed we sow. Those seeds you sow of caring for someone else, those are good seeds to sow. Amen. And you'll reap what you sow. So other, when, you, when you need something, somebody's going to call you. Amen? I want you to check out this video from Pastor Steve. And uh, afterwards, I'll, I'll, I'll go further. Amen? Check this out. What church? I wanted to meet with you today and tell you about my testimony and help to explain some of the things that I believe church means to our lives and what it can mean to our lives. I grew up in church all my life, so much of what I am as a person was developed within the local church and, and all the activities of the local church, music and involvement and sports and activities and relationships and friendships were all developed within the church. In 1985, I moved to Florida to go to Bible school. While I was down there, my father was a pastor of a church but he had been voted out of that church, unfortunately. It was kind of a, a change in my life where I needed to make some decisions personally about what God wanted for me. And uh, I had gone to several churches and even uh, planted myself a little bit into one of the churches in a nearby town. But I was dissatisfied, something was missing. And one morning I got up and asked the Lord, I said, God, there must be a place that will minister to my life. There's gotta be a place where there's more for me. And so that morning I got in the car and I went for a drive. I just started driving. And uh, as I was driving, I came to a church. It was on the right-hand side of the road, a little gray church. Uh, and when I looked, the cars were out in the parking lot. There were people in the parking lot, people shaking hands. It looked like they were directing traffic. It looked so exciting and so inviting. But upon uh, coming up to that church, it looked like the sun came through and just shined on that building. I just knew that's where I had to go. When I walked up to the door, two men met me. They were the most friendly and exciting men that, that could have possibly met me at that door. So thrilled with their church and telling me how great it was and was I ready and excited for what was gonna happen inside those doors and how God was gonna minister to me. Well, I'd never had anybody do that to me before. It just seemed like when you went to church, you just went through the motions, but I got excited and I went through those doors. That was back in 1986, and interestingly enough, I've been connected to that church now for all these years, and at one point was on staff there. I got involved in all the ministry aspects of that church. Those two men that met me at the door made a difference and an impact in my life, but more than that, what did that church mean to me? What did it do, or what has it brought to my life? I grew spiritually. I finished my education. I remember going to my pastor and having difficulty with what I should do with education. And I remember how he instructed me and how he used wisdom to lead me or help me to see what I needed to do about my education and ended up finishing my college education. I went on and from there through the youth group and through ministry, I met my wife. My wife and I have now been married almost 
15 years, and it's been a wonderful relationship. I remember when my little boy, Stephen, was being born. We went to the hospital and problems had uh, erupted and they thought he was dead in the womb. Well, we called our home church and we called our pastor to let him know that issues and challenges had come with, with our delivery. And we prayed together and we believed together and the church got on board with us. And Stephen was born. I remember this to this day, how the doctor pulled little Stephen out thinking he was dead. And when he pulled him out, he said, well, there's nothing wrong with this little baby. To this day, I believe a connection with a local church made all the difference at that moment. The calmness and all that it brought to me on that day. You know, I have a natural father. He went on to be with the Lord. But there's something to a pastor being a spiritual father to your life. He can come in and, and help to bring security and strength. And I'm grateful for my pastor because without my pastor, without my church, I truly believe I would not have married my wife. I truly believe that today I might not have those three children. I truly believe I wouldn't have finished my education. I don't know that I would have this ministry today as successful as it is and growing as it is. It's full of the power of God because a lot of what he is I am today, I, it rubbed off on me. And it, and it made an impact on me. I think differently because of how, how much training was brought to my life and word and doctrine was sewn into me. And I don't know if, if we would have been able to even be having this video. Think about it today, impacting your lives because of a relationship that I had with a local church and a local pastor. But let me show you something from the Bible. It says that God gave some apostles and he gave some prophets and he gave some evangelists and he gave some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by the slight of men and by cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive us, but speaking the truth in love that we will grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now listen, verse 16 says this, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I believe that God joins us. He fits us into a body. That that is the place where you and I will be most effective and grow the greatest. Are there other places we could go? Yes. But I believe there is a place and a pastor and a ministry that will best grow you that will grow you the, to the great, like miracle grow. It'll grow you in a way that no other place would grow you. It'll fill you in a way that no other place will fill you. And if you made this choice to come here, I believe that God has planted you here. Now fitly means something different than gather. If I took a piece of puzzles, all the puzzle, if I took a puzzle and I opened it up and I poured that puzzle out on a table and I just took all those pieces and I pushed them into a pile, then that would be gathering. But here, the Bible says in Ephesians, we're fitly joined. I want you to think about it. Gathering doesn't complete a picture. 
But if we take all those pieces and we put them where they belong and we join them fitly joined, knitted together, then in the end, we form the picture that God intends for us to form. And we become what God intends for us to become. So I want to invite you today, get in, get plugged in, get connected and become part of the local church. Connect to your pastor. Connect to the areas of the church that will benefit you best and be a part of being fitly joined together so that together we can do all God called us to do and we can make God look good. Amen. Isn't that great? Wasn't that great? Like I said, that video is from 2014, so I hadn't seen it in a long time. And we, we watched it a couple, like it was like two or three weeks ago. And uh, it was a part of what we used to do with Welcome Home, which, you know, is our, our Sunday where we get together. We do it once a month here, where we get together with those that are new to the church. And so that was what we had produced the video for. And, and I mean, we all were kind of just teary-eyed watching it, just thinking about, wow, how, how good is God to create a system like he did to benefit all of us? That if you tap into it, like he said, if you don't tap into it, I mean, you're, you're missing out. But if you tap into it, you're tapping, you're fitly joined. Every joint supplies. And the Bible says this in Matthew 16, 18. This is kind of where I want to go today as we start this. Um, I, I was studying this week and not this passage of scripture. I'm going to start with this one and then I'll, I'm going to read to you from Romans 6. And I was in Romans 6 and Romans 6 just, just drove home to me. And, and uh, that's where I'm going to spend most of my time today. But check out what it says in Matthew 16, 18. Now check this out. So Peter, Jesus, they're going back and forth. And uh, he says, and also I say to you that you're Peter. Jesus says to him, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Everybody say it's Jesus' church. Again, that's why we didn't say this church or my church or whatever, I mean, you know, nothing wrong with saying, you know, hey, come to my church because this is your local gathering. But I'm talking about like, like you have to realize that Jesus is the one that fits you. Jesus is the one that orchestrates. Jesus is the one that plugs you in. If you're, if you're not led in your decision and joining a church, then, then what are you doing? Because every joint supplies. You should be supplying and you should be getting supply. Not just from me, but from, from being plugged in, being a part of the family. That's why around here you see we, we sit, it's on the front of your bulletin, it's on signs. Welcome to the family. I grew up in a really good family, but I contributed to the family. I contributed. I didn't just, I didn't just you know, get dinner every night. And I mean, my, you can ask my parents. They come and they visit often. Ask them. They, they didn't play that. They didn't play that in the, in the Clark household, baby. You, you contributed. I cut the grass, I, I cleaned up my room, I did other stuff around the house, I, I contributed. As a result, I had a roof over my head, I had a bed, I had clean clothes, thank God for that. When I got old enough, I, I, my dad bought my, uh, uh, my first car, paid the insurance on it until I was able to pay it. Even my second car paid, I mean, blessings came because I contributed to the family. Of course, I was born into the family, but I contributed. If I just, re, re, you know, uh, uh, was a rebel, if I rebelled against that, I, I, I can tell you, I know David Clark, my dad, that would not have gone very well for me to rebel 
against that. Does anybody have a dad like mine? Amen. It would not have gone very well. All right, so what is Matthew 16 18? He says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And now notice this, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. One of the greatest benefits, this is what I want to talk about today. One of the greatest benefits of being plugged into your local church, having a, a body of believers, having a good pastor, having a place where the, 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 the gifts of the church flow in the church. If, if you look and you study uh, um, what that, what that uh, how, how, let me just read it to you. Hold on. Because I was going to try to quote it, but I don't want to misquote it. Y'all give me a second. Everybody say, he gave gifts. gifts. Turn over to Ephesians 4.8 before we look at Romans 6. Ephesians 4.8. Why do we plug into a local church? Why does it say the gates of hell will not prevail against it? Verse, uh, this is Ephesians 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was a giving according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Say it again, say gifts. He gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? That he also first descended into the lower part of the earth. It's just explaining Jesus couldn't ascend to heaven unless he first came. So it's just confirming Jesus came, he lived, he died, then he ascended to heaven. Go to verse 11. What did he give? What did Jesus give the church? What gifts did he give to men? And he, he himself, notice that's capital. This is Jesus. Jesus gave us some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Why? Why did he give those five gifts to the church? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Three things. What are we doing? For the equipping... For the working of the ministry and for the edifying of the body. That's why many of you like like coming here because I don't I don't preach a just you know a, a, at least my sermons my sermons aren't boring. And, and, and you're gonna feel edified, but but it's not because I'm anything special. I just preach the word of God. I do my job. I do what God called me to do. I do preach repentance. I do preach holiness. I preach living right. We're going to probably hit on that a little bit today when I get into Romans 6. But at the end of the day, it's not to condemn you. That's not my job. That's the devil's job. Hope the Holy Spirit will convict you, but the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn you. There's therefore now no condemnation in Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. There is, everybody say that, say there is no condemnation in Christ, you shouldn't feel condemned. You should never feel condemned. Now, convicted is different. And sometimes in the, in the world we live in today, we're taught that, that, that conviction is, con- oh, well, they're just condemning you over there because they're holier than thou. No, that's not true. There's a conviction that happens on the inside. Man, I, I, I can't keep doing that. I can't keep living that way. I, again, God will put his finger on something. I can't talk like that anymore. I, I can't do that. Any- I can't hang out with those people anymore. I'm different now. But that's not a condemnation. So what's, what's part of uh, the, the church's job? To edify you. To edify you. But then also for the work of the ministry. At the end of the service today, I'm going to go over things that we're doing, some things that are coming up. Um, we've got greeters and ushers meetings. We've got a men's ministry we're starting in March. Um, the women's ministry is right after that, but I, I believe we're going to start the men's first and then follow from there. Things that we're doing. I also want to start... 
an outreach, a soul winning outreach. I want to do it. I need, I need some people to help me. I'll go out by myself. But I want to go out and, and reach our community. Find people that are, are going about their day, interrupt their day and say, hey, do you know that Jesus loves you? I want to do that. Now, that may not be for everybody, but I think it's something the church should be doing. It's just something that the church should be igniting in people for the work of the ministry. What else? For the equipping of the saints. That's part of what we do on Sunday. Everybody say discipleship. Okay, so now that we've covered that, what, what did it say back in our first scripture we read, or not the first one, but the one in Matthew? What did Matthew say? Matthew 16 said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Everybody say, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Against what? Against God's church. Against Jesus' church. Against the church that he is establishing. He, he, he established it and is continuing to work through it today. Again, the global church and this local body. So I'm not, look at me, everybody look me in my eyes. I am not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid. Anything, the, the Hollywood makes the devil seem like a big, bad, he's always big, bulky, muscles. They always, always point him. And then, and then in the movies, you know, there's always a little priest that comes in scared and tries to cast out the demon from the, you know, if you go, I mean, and, and around Halloween time, man, I mean, it's, they, 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 that's, not how, that's not the church that God created. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Obviously, for him to make that statement, there is a battle. There's a battle. Another place in the Bible tells us that, that our warfare is not carnal, but that we're, it's spiritual. So we know there's a spiritual battle that happens. Good versus evil. There is a real underlying spiritual force that's, that's, that's at work against you and I. If you believe in Jesus, there is a real spiritual force against you. A real demonic force against you. It's, it's real. But there is zero reason for you to be afraid of it. Zero reason for you to be intimidated by it. Zero reason for you to feel defeated by it. Zero reason for you to feel like, man, I just can't, I can't get that under wraps. I can't, I can't control my temper. I can't control that thing. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop doing drugs. I can't, if you... If you have the expectation that I can't, then you're not realizing that you've already tapped into and are a part of a, belief, a believing system called the church. That if I believe, if I have faith in Jesus Christ, he said, I've already given you all authority over the devil and you don't have to worry about what he's doing. You have to walk in the authority I gave you. That's what he said. And so you, you don't, you don't, when, when I read this Romans 6, let me just get to it. Y'all want to get to it? Can we just get right into it? I think I've set it up pretty good. It, the title of the chapter is Dead to Sin, Alive to God. Look to your neighbor and tell him you're alive. You're alive. You're, you are alive. You're not. The only thing you're dead to is dead to sin. You are very, very much alive. And that's again, that's part of the reason why you 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 probably enjoy coming and 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 hearing uh, being a part of the praise and worship because we don't do we do worship, nothing wrong with a slow song, a worship song, but our music is edifying because it's biblical, it's scriptural. It's scriptural. And so the, the music it makes you feel good because you're confessing you're too good to not believe. I believe in you. I've seen miracles happen. I've seen man, you can't. 
I mean, you can't sing that and really mean it and not get fired up a little bit. I mean, just, I mean, even if you're like a really like shy person, you're like, man, that's a pretty good song. I like this. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, th- th- you just feel encouraged. What was the first song we did today? I got a song. I got a song, and I'll sing it out. Sing it. How's it go? I got a song, and I'll sing, sing it out. It's just pouring out. My praise is pouring out. Now that's, I got a song, and I'll sing it out. Well, you, it's hard to, sing, to say that and not sing it out. You start singing out God's praises, and you start feeling a little bit better. what's happening? You're edifying yourself. You're building yourself up. You're you're reminding yourself without realizing it. I'm not defeated. You know, the devil's actually a defeated foe. That's what the Bible calls him. You might uh, hear me joke about this every once in a while. Um, I see how you're sitting right there, Brother Alejandro. Y'all see Brother Alejandro? No, no, you're fine. Yeah. (laughs) I know y'all can't see him on camera. You don't have to. You can stay on me, but but he was sitting... (laughs) He was sitting cross-legged like this, right? And I said, I see how you're sitting. And he put his feet down real quick like he was doing something wrong. No, no, put your feet back up. Put your foot back up. All right. Now, everybody do that. Everybody put your foot up. Everybody put, put your foot up like this. Look under, look under your shoe. Every, every one of you should take out a pen and write D-E-V-I-L on the bottom of your shoe. Because that's literally where the devil lives. Cross. That when he established the church, he set us on high. He sat us in heavenly places. You're not, you're, you're, if, let me ask you a question. How many of you left your head at home? I won't, I won't judge you for raising your hand. I won't judge you. I know you were just joking. No, your head said, I'm going to church today. Some of you got up early. Some of you woke up a little late. Hit the snooze so many times, and you were still like, no, we got to go to church. Got to go to church. And you, you got your whole body together. So if Jesus, the head of the church, is seated in heavenly places, where are we seated? Above. Everybody say above. above. We're seated above. We're not seated. We're not. You cannot see yourself as a believer, as the church. That's what we're talking about. You cannot see yourself as the church as somebody who's, who's equal with the devil. Well, sometimes he wins and sometimes I win. Wrong. When, when Jesus died on the cross, see, this is what you might not realize. They, d- the devil tried to kill him thinking it was going to end the whole thing. But by killing him, it was his bloodshed and his sacrifice on the cross that actually ratified the whole thing. He tried to kill him. I, the, if, if he had to do it over again, he wouldn't. Because his bloodshed is actually what made everything work. When he died, when he breathed his last, the, the, the veil in the temple ripped from top to bottom, and the Holy Spirit was now free to come and live in each and every one of us. Why? Because now you and I have what the devil could never have. Amen. He got kicked out of heaven. Because he was too vain, thought, I'll be like God, I'll be like you. And so he was the... The, the praise and worship leader, basically, in heaven. That's basically what he did. And, and, and now, you and I get to sit in the church service and praise and worship God. Because God made us, let me say it this way, Jesus made us righteous. What does righteous mean? The Bible calls us the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, you know what that means? It means this. Right standing with God. 
So you have right standing with God. Not because of you. The only thing you had to do was believe in him, confess in your heart, and then you have the righteousness. He, he makes you righteous. So what does this say? What shall we say then? This is Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Go back to verse 1. Shall we continue in sin? This is what makes our church a little bit different than most. Is because it's very popular nowadays, you'll hear what's called the hyper-grace message. They won't call it that in those churches, but that's what they teach. Is that grace covers everything, and so you can just sin rampantly, and grace covers it. Apparently, they've never read Romans 6. Because there, there, there is something that happens when you commit willful, habitual commission of sin. We'll read it in a second. So what happens as a believer? Can a believer sin? Sure. What does 3 John tell us? That God is faithful and just to cleanse us, to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what do I do? I ask for forgiveness. But if I'm willfully, habitually committing sin, there's a problem. So he, Paul is addressing that. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. This is what happens when you get baptized in water. It's a representation, but it's also literally you're going through the act like what he did, going down in the water, coming up cleansed. That Jesus, that, sorry, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, for the sake of time, skip down to verse 11. Likewise, you also, this is really important, get this today. Likewise, you, everybody say he's talking to me. You know, the Bible is written to you. Like, make the Bible personal. It, it, it was written to you. It was, it was not, if you look at it as some other book that's on your shelf, something that you just, you know, every once in a while I'll pick it up. No, this is a book, a, a, a love letter from God written to you with, with, <laughs> with instructions to build your life on. My son had a birthday on Friday. People sent him gifts and stuff like that. Every, every little toy had instructions. Here's how you do it. Here's where you put the batteries. It's instructions on how to... God gave us a love letter with instructions in his word. And he says here, likewise, you also reckon yourselves, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now stay there on the screens, but I'm going to read a, a different translation because I think it... So you also should, notice this, you should consider yourselves to be, deed, to be dead indeed to sin. See, this is where those of us who, those of, of you who struggle with sin, struggle with getting a grip on it, you haven't considered yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. B because I... I don't, I don't, I shouldn't struggle. I'm not saying you won't be tempted. If you, before you got saved, if you had an addiction 
or you had a lifestyle, whatever it was. You had things that your body was attracted to and things that you did. When you get saved, your spirit is made new. Everybody say spirit. spirit. That's the real you. You are a spirit. You live in a body. This is your earth suit. Just like Clark Kent turns into Superman, it's still Clark Kent, but he looks like who? Okay, apparently we only have like one superhero. Okay, Superman. I, for a second, no joke, for a second I thought, did I say the wrong guy? Okay, all right. Clark Kent, he turns into Superman. It's still Clark Kent. The real you is your spirit. All right? And your body, your flesh, that's your flesh suit, your earth suit. All right? That's the part that wants to sin. That's the part that likes cigarettes. That's the part that likes drugs and alcohol. That's the part that likes sex. That's the part that lusts. That's the part that, that wants to lie. That's the part that steals. Your spirit doesn't steal. So what do you do? You have to consider yourself dead to that, which is where the third part of you comes in. Everybody say your mind. Your mind. So we call it the soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So what are we? We are a spirit. We live in a body, and we have a soul. So how do you fix your soul? Well, the Bible says you renew your mind with the Word of God. So why, why do we come today? Why do we come to church? Why does a pastor preach? Why do you get counseling? Why do you get, have, have a, a brother or sister in Christ call you and say, hold up now, I, I know you feel that way today, but that's not what the Bible says. Because they are reminding your soul, lining it up with what's in your spirit, you are dead to sin. Don't go over to their house, girl. I, I know you like him, but he trouble. That, that girlfriend that calls you is trying to keep you. No, see, you just don't really care about me. You can't see that I'm in love. Hold up, girl. Now, maybe she's trying to help you because she's a sister in Christ. And she realizes that that's mess that you're about to go in. And, and you're not handling the right way. OK, what are we doing? The church helps us. The fivefold gift helps you. Gifts help you. What? Realize and remember I'm dead to that. I have to consider myself dead to that. I have to do it. You have to do it. I can't go through life and think, listen, let me help you. This is why confessing is so important. If you say what everyone in my life struggled with, like my parents and my grandma, they, I mean, my dad was an alcoholic. Both my parents were alcoholics. And I, you know, I just, I just, I struggle with this. I struggle with it. Stop saying that. You're not considering yourself what the Bible says you are. You, you are dead to that. I am not an alcoholic. I am free from alcohol. I don't drink. I don't have to have alcohol to feel good. Well, Pastor, but what happens when, when, I, when I cave to that? Don't stop. That's your flesh. That's not you. The part when you cave... And all of us know what I'm talking about, right? When, when, when you're trying to not cuss, and then somebody, I mean, I'm trying so hard not to cuss. I'm going to talk like a godly man or woman. I'm going to do it. And then that guy cuts you off in the street, and you, bleep, bleep, bleep. Honk, 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 honk. And you, and you get done honking, you calm down, and you realize, oh, my goodness. I hope that wasn't a person that go to, I go to church with. <laughs> Might have let the wrong finger slip up out the window. 
Then you realize, man, I got I to get that under control, man. Woo. But what's that part of you? This, is, this will help you understand your spirit versus your soul and your, and your flesh. Because what's the part of you that feels convicted? Remember? Convicted. What's that part of you? That's your spirit. Man, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't know. That's why the Bible talks about forgiveness and going and making sure that you, I mean, the other person may not forgive you, but you got to go and forgive them. Listen, man, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have acted that way. Please forgive me. You can't make somebody else forgive you, but you better go and forgive them. I, 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 please, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have acted that way. That's your spirit saying, you don't live that way anymore. I told y'all that we started the new year off on a diet. Or it's like, it's not even really, it's more than a diet. It's a lifestyle change, which sounds real fancy. It's a diet. Okay. So what, what, you know what I had to realize? You know what, what really helped me? Because I, I mean, I wasn't like a super unhealthy person, but I was not healthy. So I realized my eating habits are really my problem. Now, working out is great, but I've only worked out like once a week. Most, some weeks I didn't even work out at all. I mean, I've really, the working out part, fitting in my schedule with kids and pastoring, it's like really hard. Man, it's 12.01. I got to wrap up. Okay, so this is really important though. Catch this. So what happened is I realized through this, this uh, 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 the series of things they put you through, that, that, that all the teaching, all the things that they do, the, the, the guides, the nightly talks, he's, he's, uh, the trainer guy is telling us, You've got to change your habits. You've got to realize a healthy person doesn't eat like that. And I started telling myself that. I'm telling you all, this, is, this was the main factor. Uh, no, a healthy person doesn't eat six Girl Scout cookies. A healthy person, y'all don't judge me right now. A healthy person doesn't eat a whole sleeve of Oreos. I mean, come on, how can you just eat just like three or four? I mean, you leave a half a sleep, like, I have like, I gotta have like some, you know, I'm not confessing I have OCD, because I don't have OCD, but like, I'm just saying, it's like hard to leave like half a sleeve, like, I'm just gonna, I'm helping out the Oreo package. I just wanna finish off the sleeve of Oreos. A healthy person doesn't do that. A healthy person doesn't eat like this. And as I begin to confess that over myself, think, think that way about myself. It wasn't just, man, I, because if I, I tried the opposite, man, I don't want to eat Oreos. Man, I don't want to eat Oreos anymore. I don't. But then every time the Oreo package, <laughs> man. I mean, the other day, uh, if y'all follow me on social media, you might have seen it. My, my son, like I said, he turned three on Friday. I took him and got a donut. So I text the pictures to my wife. And it's the first question she asked, did you eat one? (laughs) I was so proud. Nope. I got a coffee. A healthy person doesn't eat donuts at 9 a.m. Now, normally, let me tell you how I normally would have done this. I normally would have gone, just while I'm confessing all my bad eating habits that I used to have, if my man wanted a donut, I mean, what's one donut? So he's got to get at least two. Well, if you're going to buy two, then I got to have two, which means you can't get the three pack from Krispy Kreme. You got to at least get the half a dozen. But then I want the family to have some too. So I'll just go ahead and get the dozen. But healthy people 
Now, again, I, this is not like, I'm not trying to condemn anybody that went out and got a half, you know, half a dozen donuts this morning. But uh, I, I'm talking about me. Healthy people don't go get a dozen donuts and eat the whole thing. Don't do that. Josh wanted a treat. I got him one. I didn't even finish his. Started to. No. I've already, I've already missed the whole donut. No sense eating just a half of one. Everybody say, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. Say, I'm alive in Christ. I'm alive in Christ. Now notice verse 12. You can come up so, I can, so I'll end. Verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. Now notice who does that. This is part two of this. Many of us, not only do we see ourselves as sinners, we confess, our, oh, I struggle with this, I struggle with that. You don't see yourself. You have to see yourself as I am the righteousness of God in Christ. My flesh is the one that wants to do that thing, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to cave into that. I am free from that. Jesus freed me from that. He died so that I don't have to love the taste of alcohol, so that I don't have to lust after women inappropriately. I don't have to do that because Jesus freed me from that. Then the second thing, the second problem is people pray, Lord, take that away. He already did. You know, two of the most ineffective prayers you can pray? The two most ineffective prayers you can pray are this. Praying and asking God to do something he told you to do. He said, go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Lord, go heal the people in Zimbabwe. Why don't you go on a mission trip and go to Zimbabwe? Go lay, lay your hands on them and pray over them. Speak over them. So that's one prayer that doesn't work. The second one is asking God to do something he told you to do. Is that, the word, is that what I said, the first one? Uh, well, I don't remember the second one. <laughs> Hold on, it'll come to me. Asking God to do something he told you to do or asking God to do something he already did. That's it. Asking God to do something he already did. He, he already died on the cross. He already sent his son. Are you asking him to do it again? Lord, take, take this desire away from me. He already did. He said that on, on the cross, Jesus put all sin, all sickness, all disease on the cross. He took it so that you are not bound by that. I'm not saying you won't be tempted. Temptation is not sin. Again, I know I'm joking about the donut thing, but I, I was tempted to eat the donut on Friday. That wasn't the problem. The problem would have been if I gave into it and, w- and went away with a dozen donuts. That would, have been the, that would have been the willful commission of sin. Notice what it says here. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. Do not present yourself members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but grace. He's defining grace is not a permission for you to keep sinning. Grace is the ability for you to not live under the law. So I don't, I, I'm not bound by the curse of the law. I'm not bound by the law anymore. Jesus came and fulfilled the law. And so now I get to live under grace, which means I, it's not a permission to just keep on sinning. It's a, 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 a grace to overcome the sin. 
15. What then? Shall we sin? He says the same thing he said in verse 1. Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Everybody say, certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves? This is where we're going to end. Catch this. Do you not know that whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? You choose what you're a slave to. He's saying you choose. If you want to be a slave to sin, you can now, I know slave is, don't look at it in the wrong term. He used the term because he under, even people back in the day understood what it meant. It wasn't necessarily like a, a, a bondage thing. It just meant you were owned by that, that person. Whoever owned that, owned a slave. I know that's bad. We don't live under that today, but I'm just thinking about the principle of it. If you're a slave, you have no, no willpower. No willpower to do anything different. But if I'm, if I'm a slave to God, if he owns me, if I'm giving my life to him willfully, then I know my flesh wants to do that other stuff, but that's not me. I'm not that person. I'm not going down that road. That's the old me. The old me used to drink. The old me used to smoke. The old me used to cuss. The old me used to lust. The old me used to cheat. The old me used to lie. The old me used to steal. And whenever I feel that way again, and my flesh is fighting me, when I'm tempted, the Bible says in James, let no man say he's tempted by God. So first you have to realize God's not the one tempting me, the devil is. And he's where? Get off of me. I'm not doing that. I'm not a slave to you. You don't own me. God does. I gave my life to him. I don't have to drink another drop of this. I, if any of you have alcohol in your home and you struggle with it, I'd go home right now while you're under this authority and anointing and pour it all out. Because, because why? Because if not, when you're on Tuesday, when your flesh is now built up more stronger than your spirit, that's when you go back to the cabinet. But if there's nothing in the cabinet, you have to now get up, get in the car, go to the store, and on the way to the store, the Holy Spirit's bothering you. Don't do it. That's not you. And then somebody from the church will call you. Hey, man, I was just thinking about you. And when you go through all that, you think, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm not, that's not me anymore. I don't do that. I used to, but not anymore. I'm free from that. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm dead to sin. And I'm alive in Christ. Everybody stand on your feet. If you want what I'm talking about today, if you know deep down in your heart, I need to make things right with God. I don't care who knows it. I need him to know it. I need to make a public declaration of faith. I want to pray for you. Now, I also want to pray. I don't want to just do an altar call. Anybody who, who needs prayer along these lines, and I know you might feel nobody needs to know what it is, but if you want prayer, I want to pray for you right now so I want to do this first because I want to make sure everybody has things right with God ready if you're in this room and you say you know what I've never had a real relationship with God I've never really had a relationship with God I, I know who he is but I need to commit my life to him then now's your moment if you're in this room and you say oh 
I used to, but I've gone astray. I need to rededicate and recommit my life to Jesus. Then that's the second type of person. If you're either one of those two types of people, I want you to do this. I want to pray for you. I want to help you. I want to lead you back into that relationship with God or lead you into that relationship with God. And I want you to have what I talked about today. I want you to have the opportunity to say, no, my life is not my own. I give it to God and he's going to help me overcome every obstacle, everything in my life, every problem, every issue, because Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if I just get Jesus on the inside of me, then I know that thing that's held me bondage, that's wrapped up my whole life, I don't have to have that thing bind me up anymore. I'm going to bind it up and cast it right out of my life. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand right now and let me know that's me. That's me. See your hands. See your hands. Come down front. I want to pray for you. Come down front. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm proud of you. I'll give it up for them. I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of you. Anybody else? All right, we're going to all pray this together, and then I'm going to pray for them, and I'll pray for anybody else who wants prayer. Y'all just sit tight. I know I said earlier, I get out at 12. I went a little long today. Everybody say this. I want you guys to say it. If you're online and you're making a decision today, I want you to say it. And everybody in this room, we're going to all say it together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, today I make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I commit my life to Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived as a man, a perfect life, but he died on the cross for me. He took my place on that cross. I believe on the third day he rose from the grave. I believe he's alive. He's seated in heaven, interceding for me at the right hand of the Father. And I ask you, Heavenly Father, Come in. Make your home in me. I leave my past behind. And I turn to a future with you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? I'm going to pray for you. Brother Mike, if you'll come. Just lift your hands.